You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope everybody is doing well at the start of their work week. Levi, how you doing, my man? Doing good. We got some good tournament action happening right now with Gonzaga and Oklahoma that we're watching. I got up and watched the early one. This the, well, the early one for the day. Oregon and Iowa. They tipped off around eleven. Oregon ran them out of the gym. Luca Garza's career is done at Iowa. This tournament has just been filled with absolute chaos, and I'm loving it. And we'll talk about that later on in the show as to why we think that is because this tournament is a statistical anomaly oh it's absolutely out there but first we got some important Auburn news that's happening this weekend we had that open practice on Saturday I know I joked on Friday said I didn't want to get up and go but you know I was going to get up and go come on guys we'll keep you updated on the tournament action going on as well throughout the show once again Levi already mentioning seven seed Oregon defeating two seed Iowa in the round of 32 95 to 80 they got the last day of second round action started Eight seed Oklahoma right now trailing one seed Gonzaga 23-21 with 10-12 left in the first half that game on CBS. If you are somehow at home on your work day, able to check that out. But we do appreciate you joining us here on the line. Number to call 334-321-1390. Find Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Levi, you bring up the open practice that Auburn had. I've been asked this question by multiple people. What did I think? You know what I think? I think it was a good PR move. I think there was a good, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 people, maybe even more than that there. Everybody was enjoying a day in the sun. But at the end of the day, it was a non-contact practice early in spring. And what you saw, I wouldn't read too much into it. It's, it's exactly what you thought it was going to be, a non-contact early spring practice. If you could just sit there and just close your eyes at home. Let's say if you didn't go, you close your eyes, and that's pretty much what you saw was what you think the only thing that you really got to know was where guys are lining up right now that was the big question you got to see a little bit of you know certain things I was big to see what JJ Pegues was going to do saw him lining up at the slot some was pretty good I mean they I think they're going to be versatile with him I mean you got to see what the line was we were we talked about that last week seeing you know where where was this line going to end up where were guys going to go along this line and obviously you're missing counsel so you're not going to be able to read too into what we think the starting lineup would be but it's nice to see where guys are lining up and what some guys are doing. I like seeing Bo Nix go straight to Brian Harson almost every time after a throw. It seemed like he was getting really coached up throughout the whole practice. So a lot of good to take away. Nothing that's going to just wow you because, again, it's an early spring practice. It was also non-contact. Yeah, so you're not going to see any hits. You're not going to see any you know, just true offense or true defense. It's mainly just to kind of uh, – win the fans over and have them I mean because you gotta think these guys a lot of them didn't get to go to games last year because there were so many I mean there was restrictions and a lot of it was limited so now you can get some guys in who probably haven't seen or haven't been in the stadium in over two years at this and point. you're generating some really good will 
amongst the Auburn fan base oh, yeah. for getting them out of the house and into Jordan-Hare Stadium. Some of those folks for the first time in over a year well beyond a year actually yeah, now it, considering you know we're into the spring already so more than a year and a half since some of those folks had been in the stadium maybe even longer if they didn't catch a game two years ago you know so you get some of these folks into the stadium on a nice day after there was rain throughout the week it was beautiful weather nice breeze it wasn't hot but you still had the sun on you so it wasn't cold it was a great day on saturday and you're building some goodwill with that fan base that you opened up practice for the first time in like 10 years maybe longer than that however long it however long it's been for some reason I have a vague memory that Chiswick may have done that but it's still been far and few between and it's been a it's been a long time since we've seen an open practice in Auburn it's been a really long time it and it's it's a good move like you said it's a great PR move it gets it makes you seem super transparent because you were. You let everybody in, not just media members into practice, or you know, not just a couple people. You opened it up and said, "Hey, come on, you can come see what we're doing. You can come see what we're building towards." And I like that, especially from the position where there were a lot of doubters of Brian Harson coming in, coming from you know a Boise State, which has been a good football program over the years, has been a great football program for where they are at and located. But a lot of people were not sold on the idea of a guy from Boise State being able to come in and take over the Auburn program, now you're, you're showing people like, hey, this is what we're doing. You can get on board with it or not, but we're here and this is what we're doing. Football may be a different sport, but Bruce Pearl put the, the blueprint on building an Auburn program up that may need, some, may need some assembling. And right now this Auburn football program – needs some renovations I wouldn't say that it needs assembling it's obviously there it's a historic program but it needs some renovations at the moment and Brian Harson and his staff appear to be adding some new things to it some things that should help the program out a lot but Bruce Pearl put it on full display about how to get fans riled up how to get support and it was by investing in the community if there was an event that mattered and even some events that maybe we didn't think mattered Bruce Pearl was there and Bruce Pearl was cultivating support even when the team wasn't successful early in his tenure and he sold people a vision that there was going to be success in the Auburn basketball program coach Harson has to do the same thing I'm curious on your thoughts on his uh, on, on him achieving that same blueprint or maybe his own version of that through the first three months I think so far he's done a good job of kind of reaching out. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there was – I don't remember what he was doing, but he was on the concourse on campus doing something one day, and I remember seeing that on Every Twitter. Every coach does that. But I think – but Even ha- Gus did that to a degree. Think, but you have to do that. That's something you have to do. He, imagine if you saw him and didn't do that, people would be getting a little Sure, upset. I'm saying going above and beyond the call of duty, right? Bruce I mean, Pearl this is, did that. This is a good option to – I mean, this is a good way to start that. I just don't think anybody can match Bruce Pearl in that kind of sentiment because Bruce Pearl is an overly infectious personality in terms of he's more vibrant, more boisterous. Brian Harson a bit more straight-laced in his approach oh, and yeah. how he speaks. So I can't see him, you know, going through and bringing pizzas to people when they're studying on campus and things of that nature like Bruce Pearl does. Because Bruce Pearl's a showman. Exactly. He's he's very showy. He's very flashy. I mean, that's just who he is, the big personality. People- Coach Harson doesn't come off that way. I don't think that that's a problem. And I, and by no means am I criticizing no, Brian Harson at, at the moment and how he has, 
you know, invested in the community or, or anything across the first three months because I think he's actually done a really good job selling his vision to folks. I am enamored with the way that he talks about this football team and his vision for this football team. But if you want to cultivate support, you invest in the community. And I, I think this past weekend with the open practice was a good, solid way to throw something out there to folks for them to for them to come and see, hey, what he's what he's been talking about, for them to come and see it, and also uh, to give fans something to get excited about. That That's what this Auburn fan base needs is something to get excited about. And, of course, there's been excitement over the last three months because you bring in a new head coach. You're, you're finally excited to see what things are going to look like because you know it's going to be different. It's got to be different. That's why you fired the previous coach. My big criticism of Malzahn and another criticism that I've had of Malzahn is that it didn't seem like he was uh, he, he was not an excitable figure. And, and not everybody's personalities are the same. And I liked Malzahn as a, as a person, so I don't want to be too critical here. I'm just saying, like, Bruce Pearl got people excited, got people believing. It wasn't the same way with Malzahn. Especially towards the end, a little bit towards the beginning, yes. But then it when it stale. Hit, then when it hit that, it got a little stagnant and stale towards that middle, you know, part. And how we were talking about Brian Harson isn't that infectious personality that Bruce Pearl is. He's not going to go out there and just be the showman that Bruce Pearl is. This is his way. But he's confident. Yeah, and this what you saw Saturday. That's his way of reaching the community. Like Bruce Pearl might do a little bit more, you know, showy, a little bit more talking to people, shaking hands, kissing babies type of deal, and. I think Brian Harson's more of, hey, just come watch his practice, man. I like football. You like football? Come watch football. And this, it feels more. I like football. Yeah, it just does. I want to come watch football. It feels more like what Brian Harson is. Like that's his way of being like, come on, let's get in, let's yeah, get this like together, football. come see it. Yeah, yeah. Every, it <laughs> just comes off. He comes off as the prototypical man's man. Like that's what Brian Harson yes. comes out of. Just that, you know, hand in the dirt. You know, tough nose. Just hard nose kind of just tough mentality that's what so the direction i wanted to steer this conversation was despite the fact that he may not be going about it the same way that bruce pearl did i think he's doing it in his own way and i think it's building some goodwill with the fan base and from what i see on social media different personalities talking about this guy and evaluating him as a speaker and you know just you know generating that excitement in the program people are getting excited out there about the differences that are that are going to be coming in with this regime as opposed to the old regime there's going to be some new things coming in that i think folks are are they're they're beginning to buy in at the end of the day though the real question is will the players buy in and i I think you can already begin to see the players buying in auburn football tweeted out a video of tank bigsby breaking it down and him talking about it was coach harson talking about before he had a breakdown after practice he was talking about Jordan Hare Stadium. He's like, this is our stadium. You make this the toughest place to play. You you walk in here with pride. Nobody has a chance when you walk into Jordan Hare Stadium. And then Tank Bigsby comes in and breaks it down. And it's like, man, there's something, there, there's a culture brewing here. I don't think it's been set in stone yet, obviously, and there's no way for it to be within three months. But by the time Auburn football kicks it off in September of this year, you hope that culture has been put into place. It's and it's like just beyond just Coach Harson because he's the one who you know helped assemble the help assemble the coaching staff. And it seems that at least from everything that I have seen, that players are buying into not just not only just Coach Brian Harson, but also Derek Mason, Mike Bobo. It seems like these kind of guys that it, it the culture's there, and he's brought in guys that fit this culture that he wants to do. But there's only you can do all of this stuff the right way, just like he's doing. He's getting the fans engaged. It seems like the players buying in. But at the end of the day, the one way to get everybody on board with you 
It's going to be to win football games. Oh yeah, because that it'll go. It can go south really, really quickly. I mean, you saw it at the end of Tuberville's. Cool career. things to say, gimmicks, all that. That that only goes so far. It, it goes, especially if you're not winning ball games. It goes far. The you know the first off season that you have, and the next off season, if you're sitting there and you know a more patient person who's like, look, he didn't have a great recruiting class. He's going to have to get his own guys in here before something can happen. And you really want to just sit there and think like, man, if he goes out there and he starts winning games, it's all good. He's already got fan support. They're going to love this guy. Second game starts going awry. That's when you're going to really see what it's about and see how how well you develop those relationships. Because football fans, especially in the Auburn football community, they don't have a lot of patience. And that's just the day and age we live in with football. I mean, they're... Coaches don't have that same what, what leeway. They don't have the same leeway in terms of timeliness that they used to back in the day. Social media age, everybody wants it at their fingertips. Everybody wants it as fast as they can. When things start going awry, you see changes get made very quickly. At the beginning of this segment, I said Auburn football was going through some renovations, right? Renovations to the program, and I, and I said that uh, as a metaphor, not not physically. I mean, they are you know creating a football facility, but. As a metaphor, Auburn football is going through some renovations with this new coaching staff. Question to you, what's more important for Auburn to renovate? The culture or more football-related things like schemes? So, like, is it did, did Auburn need more of a culture change or did Auburn football need more of a, a football change at its heart? We want to hear from you. Once again, number to call, 334-321-1390. What do you think needed to change more culture or maybe some more football-related things like scheme or maybe player personnel, recruiting, things like that. Levi, what say you? I say scheme. I say scheme for the you fact that— that's more important than the culture? I agree. Yeah, I do, because I think the scheme that they were running was just not— Antiquated? Yeah, it was, just, it was so found out and so predictable in terms Obsolete. of— Yeah, it just didn't—everybody It everybody else had caught up. When Gus Malzahn first was running that offense, they were one of the few— fewer teams running an up-tempo spread offense everybody runs it now and they realize real quick that oh his spread offense variant isn't very diverse it's not a lot of diverse routes it's not a lot of diverse concepts this is pretty easy to figure out right now and it's something that it's something that a lot of people a lot of the uh, criticisms that people have of Gus Malzahn is they're sitting there saying if I can sit there on the couch at home and I can figure out what play you're running, I know the guys who are getting paid millions of dollars on the other side of the field, they can figure it out. And by other side of the field, I mean the other side on the coaching staff side, not the players, obviously. I think the scheme and football-related things really did need some some change there, too. But I may value the culture shift more, and that's why I found myself talking about that more than maybe even the schemes that have been changing, because... I think it's super important that Auburn develops toughness and, and just being mean. And we're, we're going to keep talking about that yep. on the other side of this break. We want to hear from you. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Back in just a moment. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open. Asked an interesting question in our last segment. What did you think needed renovating more? The culture of the Auburn football program 
or scheme or recruiting? What was the most important thing you thought needed renovating in the Auburn football program? And I say renovating in terms of, of a metaphor, not physically. I'm not saying building a football-only facility, but that could be an answer if, if you really felt that strongly about it, which that is indeed happening. But what's the most important thing in the Auburn football program that you felt like needed changing coming out of the Malzahn era into the Harson era, which is only three months young. <laughs> it's still young. I mean, it's still young, and it feels like it's been kind of – it feels like it's been going for a little bit now, but it's still just only three months in. That is interesting. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Once again, the number is 334-321-1390. A look at some NCAA tournament action on the scoreboard right now. One seed Gonzaga leading eight seed Oklahoma 38-30 to with 336 left in the first half over on CBS. That's where you can catch that game at. Some other games following it right after at 415 on TBS, 11 seed UCLA, 14 seed Abilene Christian, and then 510 on TNT, 13 seed Ohio, 5 seed Creighton. Too many, too many low seeds, but we will get to that later. What, what did you just go? Oh, man, I don't know. I couldn't tell who it was for Gonzaga. Number two, he just put on a clinic in terms That's of. That's Timmy, man. Timmy just put on. Look at this up there right now. You can see the post moves on display the up and under i mean man that the double is up and under absolutely Whew. polished post moves right there polished right there it's, i love good i love it's a to double see. scoop of ice cream as someone who played in the post in high school i just love watching someone put some polish on the post moves now and he's rocking the handlebar mustache i mean let's go they're gonna ride those handlebars to victory now i think gonzaga's the most likely team to win the NCAA tournament still even after all of the chaos a nah. little bit of a slow start today but nonetheless and we'll get to more NCAA yeah. tournament talk as the show goes on I want to go back to that question and uh answer it because uh, we were going to break as soon as I was giving my answer you yep. said scheme was the most important thing that needed to change for Auburn football I think culture and I still is agree. the most important thing for Auburn football to change going into this Brian Harson era oh yeah I agree they're both important though like me saying that I think scheme needs to change needed to change it does not like they're they're a 1a 1b they are up there very very close so you're gonna go ahead and tell the guys about the culture that you wanted this past Auburn football team was soft I feel like Can you I, agree with that it feels like a lot of them have been soft here lately I feel like the 2015 2016 years were pretty soft I, feel I don't know like that 2019 2019 team I, I didn't I didn't yeah. think was soft I think there were some guys on that defense that were mean but now those guys are gone and the, yep. in 2020 the defense was soft yeah it was soft. once Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson left things got soft on the defensive side of the football and offense I don't feel like has been overly physical for the last I don't even remember the last time the Auburn offense, I, I think you would say, is like physical. Maybe 2017? I mean, even, yeah, I mean, I guess. But even then, I'm still, I don't think I don't think of that 2017 team as a physical offensive team, if that makes sense. Like sure. Just, even, even if you're saying like, yeah, they weren't overly soft, I'm still looking at them and thinking, no, I really don't remember them being 2016 that was pretty physical on offense they had to be Cameron Petway was the yeah. running back that you know what that's the last time I remember like an offensive player and thinking mean like, that was the last time that I remember seeing some grit out of the offense in terms of just physicality and yeah I'd say 2016 and that was mainly just from Cameron, Cameron Petway's standpoint <laughs> just because he was out there and you kind of had to be physical because he was for the most part you know throughout that season he was the best player on Auburn's offense and they rode him and you know the injury happened and it didn't really work out that well but they had to kind of shift 
to a mean mentality because that's what their best player was dictating at the time. And Auburn hasn't struck me as mentally tough. I'm not going to say that these guys aren't physically tough because let me tell you, they're, they're tougher human beings than I am, right? They're, but, they're tougher human beings than like 99% of people out there, especially, you know, just normal, you know, Joes like you and I. So when I say that they were soft, they were softer than the teams that they were playing. Yes. The teams that they were playing in the SEC were pushing them around on a consistent basis last year. But on top of that, I don't feel like Auburn was a mentally tough team. At least last year, I don't. I agree with that because when you saw them go down, it, it didn't seem like they had the grit a lot of the time Some like with things like that. A&M game. Ball yeah. goes through the hands of Jacoby McClain, caught in the end zone, touchdown A&M. You know what went through every Auburn fan's mind at that, po- at that point? ball game yeah so that's how, how it felt and Auburn was still very much so in it if I, if I remember correctly maybe that was the maybe that was the touchdown that gave A&M the lead or maybe that was what cut it to three or something like that I can't I can't quite remember maybe that tied it it, 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 it did not dig Auburn's grave let me tell no, you that it, it didn't dig Auburn's grave but it felt like it in terms if you were watching that mentally team closely, you're like oh they're about to they're about to capitulate <laughs> when you were when you watch that team closely like we did you sit there and go okay I know what's about to happen here I've seen this story before I mean you get up and you go to an early road trip in South Carolina and you get hit in the mouth early, never recovered. They never felt it never looked like they could bounce back from that. Arkansas game, when it all began to slip in the second half, you're like, they're they're not slipping because of the rain. Arkansas is coming back. Georgia game, they get hit early and they just didn't seem like I they held had on the to hope that fortitude. things were going to change in that one, but I was that was where I threw all hope out the window it after just, that ball game. It, it just didn't seem like when they were playing Georgia, it seemed like they got down early, they had the adversity, and they could not do anything at all to get back into it and to fix themselves. It just seemed like they they got hit and they said, "Look, they're a better team, whatever," and just laid down. And that seems that's been a consistent theme that you have seen from Auburn football in the past, you know, few years, twenty twenty in particularly was a really bad team in terms of the mental fortitude that they showed and I want to see a little bit more of that and I know this Alabama team was statistically one of the best teams that we've seen in college football offensively ever I'm not going to say on the defensive side of the ball but on the offensive side of the ball one of the best offensive teams we've ever seen in college football from a statistical standpoint but they didn't enter in the iron Bowl. like did, did anybody enter into the iron Bowl thinking that this team believed that they were going to compete. It didn't seem it like... Didn't it didn't even look like in the first you know quarter of that ball game they were out there to compete. And you typically... And then see, you're kicking a field goal late in the first yeah. half. It's like, dude, come on. You see teams... like uh, What year was it? Was it 2016 maybe where they played in Tuscaloosa and they actually gave them a little bit of a run, if I'm not mistaken. There was one year where they gave them... 15 and 16, Auburn was clearly... The worst football team out of the two. Yeah, because 15 was the Derrick Henry year, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. At Jordan Harris. It was came a touchdown down, yeah, game in the fourth quarter. Until late. And then, you know, Derrick Henry did what Derrick Henry does in the fourth quarter of football games and pulled them away. But those two, te- those two games, 15 and 16 in particular, stick out to me because Auburn had no business being in any of those, either of those games. But early on in the football game, which is typically what you see out of an underdog rivalry football game, they come out with energy, they come out with juice, and they come out looking like they're ready to play. It didn't seem like they had that last year in the Iron Bowl. Sure, and so when I when I say all this, that Auburn was soft and not mentally tough, just didn't appear that way compared to other SEC teams that they were playing against last year. So I think it's more important for this culture to change than maybe even some of the schemes. Trust me, the scheme, it needed changing, it needed updating, it needed that a lot. I'm not saying that it didn't, but scheme only takes you so far because Auburn is not, from a recruiting standpoint, 
right now they're recruiting outside the top five in the SEC Auburn does have a little bit of a talent deficiency when you're talking about trying to compete for SEC championships on a regular year in a year out basis so the way you make up for that you got to be mentally tough you got to be strong you've got you can't be soft you've got to be hard you got to make everybody hate the fact that they're playing you that week and so I I think culture for me is more important and is possibly making me more excited because you've got to instill a vision in these guys and you got to get them to buy in with this new coaching staff I think it's all I think it's culture first and then the scheme and we both and we both agree both are massively important it's not like we're saying you know how I'm over here saying the scheme needed to change the scheme doesn't work if the culture doesn't change though like this coaching staff has to instill their culture first and then everything else will follow that's what's most important right now here in the spring I think one of the things I'm so excited about with scheme that I really didn't touch on earlier is if since they're swap you know they're going to a more pro style oriented offense you're going to see more guys at Auburn make it to the next level and go to the NFL there's a lot of guys who on the offensive side at Auburn have had their draft stock slip because they've been playing in a high school offense now they're playing in a system where they can showcase their abilities more so on the pro level and you know what that's going to do that's going to have high school guys saying oh, I can go to Auburn and make it to the league. Instead of going, oh, I could go to Auburn, but then my chances of getting to the league at the next level, at least from the offensive side of the football, it's been hard for it's been hard for Auburn guys to do that. Now I, th- I think that helps with recruiting so much. When you see that you put guys consistently in the league. Think about this. If you're a high school kid and your goal ultimately is to play in the NFL, you're looking at Ohio State, you're looking at Alabama, you're looking at Clemson, you're looking at the guys who are consistently pumping out NFL products. You're not thinking about Auburn in that regard. But if you're running a pro-style offense, guys start making it to the league, then you start see, you're going to start seeing high-profile guys go, I can go to Auburn and make it to the league. We want to hear from you. Once again, number to call, 334-321-1390. That is the number to get you through to on the line. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. Speaking to that pro-style offense, Justin Ferguson at AU on Twitter. He tweeted this out as the Auburn coordinators were up at the podium today with a press conference, Mike Bobo and Derek Mason. This is something that Mike Bobo said. Auburn OC Mike Bobo, quote, we want to be a wide-open pro-style offense, end quote. I love that. I'm hearing things on both sides of the football right now in terms of scheme. Brian Harson was talking about 3-4 last week, and now you've got on the offensive side of the ball pro-style. I love what I'm hearing right now because it tells me physicality's coming back and – uh some some more updated things in the Auburn offense as well with that pro style we'll talk about that on the other side of this break stay with us here on on the line stay on the line more of the show when we come back You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater at ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Joining us on the line now, headed over to those phone lines, we got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports with us on the show today. Jeremy, how you doing today, my man? One down, five to go, boys. What's going on on the planes? Not much. We talked a lot of football the first two segments of the show, uh, as you would expect <laughs> after uh, everybody's brackets <laughs> have been set on fire. But uh, Alabama still one of... One of the teams to remain in a round of 32 action tonight against Maryland. Uh, I believe it's at 745 tonight on TNT against the 10-seed Maryland Terrapins. Well, let's 
backtrack to that Iona game 215 Alabama didn't look exceptional but they do end up pulling out the victory against Iona by 13 points yeah I just figured it was one of those games that Alabama was gonna have guys that um Iona a team we've seen a lot of teams lose that shouldn't have lost if you're Alabama you're lucky to I guess scrape by although you get the double digit win but you do not cover the 16 and a half which you know a lot of people may have been upset about, but ask Ohio State how they feel. Ask Illinois how they feel right now. Alabama's still alive. They're still playing. Um, and that was a team that Patino, Patino thought that they could win. He said it after the game. If it wasn't for Alex Reese's uh, two threes, he felt like they had a chance to really win that game, and maybe they did. So if Alabama to continue playing after tonight, they're going to have to play a little better. I thought defensively they were great. They just faced the number one three-point team in the country in Iona. So if they come out – in this one, a little bit better. John Petty plays a little bit better, hits some shots from deep. Um, I think it was still a little promising from, from Saturday, honestly. You played horribly on the offensive end. You went one for 10, one for nine for deep in the first half. You missed seven or eight layups in the first half. You shot 50% from the free throw line, and you're still one of the, the teams still going in this tournament. So keep your head high and uh, let's hope for the best tonight because we, we, we watched it this morning. Iowa goes down, guys. I mean, this is one of the most fun tournaments I can remember. So – Alabama, Maryland tonight, 745 TNT. Bama favored by six against Maryland. Where do you stand with that line? I think Alabama can win this one by – if I was setting the line, I would have put Bama at minus seven and a half. I, I figured that we if BPI gives us a 71% chance to win. I thought that was probably a 70-30 thing when I was talking to some friends yesterday. Um, this line opened, I think, at uh, minus four and a half. It's worked its way up a little bit. I still think Alabama – um, playing their averages, and I think that's important. If Alabama can shoot their season average, like they don't need to shoot great, they don't need to play phenomenally, they just need to shoot their averages until they get to the regional final, right? And then they might have to play a little bit over the over the top, depending on that LSU, Michigan, or Florida State. But right now, they just need to play the way that Alabama. They need to shoot their averages. They need to give up their average on defense. They need to score their average on offense, and then they will absolutely be fine. Um, in this game and most likely the next game, whether that be Abilene Christian or UCLA. I'll steer away from Alabama a little bit. Who do you like for an upset tonight? Who's your favorite team out of what's left? I mean, there's a lot of low – there's a lot of double-digit seeds. But there's more chalk today on. than there was yesterday, right? It seems like a lot more chalk today. But, I mean, like you said, you got Abilene Christian playing UCLA, two double-digit seeds. Jeremy, which one of the – like, which which underdog today do you like the best? I kind of like LSU guys. Uh, they've Ooh, been playing same. great basketball, man. I think that they can take out a one seed and kind of open it up for Alabama a little bit. Would not be surprised at this point if you saw an LSU-Alabama regional final uh, in that region. But, I mean, you look back to last night, the Cowboys go down to Oregon State. The Beavers win that one. I mean, the the Big Ten has absolutely collapsed with Ohio State and Illinois. It's, it's two big dogs and Michigan's left. But, I mean, there's a chance there's no Big Ten teams left after today. You have the Pac-12 showing out. Oregon State's still alive. Oregon, a blowout win over Iowa. But if I had to pick an upset right now, I think I'd take LSU uh, over Michigan. And, and I, I, is Abilene is if Abilene Christian beats UCLA, it'll still be an upset. But, I mean, it's not like you know UCLA some big-time seed in this tournament. I mean, yeah. uh, and, and Abilene just did beat Texas a four seed. So, I mean, that what's that? That would be an 11 to 13 matchup. I don't really think, I wouldn't really think that's just an, a crazy upset, but that's a good story, man. Loyola, Sister Jean's a great story. This is packed full of stories. Oral Roberts, I never know that was a college. Here they are. <laughs> um, they beat Florida. 
That is right. Well, they think about who they beat in the first round. They beat Ohio State. <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. It's like, wow, man, there's teams i never heard of made it. Yeah. Well, uh, taking a look at that 14-11 matchup, because the winner of that will play Alabama, which, you know, people have probably pointed out to you by now that uh, Alabama's ride to, to, the, to the Elite Eight is, is, is you know, been favorable considering they play a 15, then they get to play a 10, and then they're either playing an 11 or a 14. Which of those two teams would you think Alabama would rather play, Abilene Christian or UCLA? I don't think they care. I think Nate Oates is so preoccupied in getting his team to play better basketball. Like it, it, It's almost a Nick Saban, Bill Belichick-like mentality right now. we got to play better or we're not going to win this thing. It doesn't matter who the other team is. Yeah, we'll scheme – I mean, honestly, I mean, if you're talking Jimmy's and Joe's, I mean, it's obvious who you're going to pick. But if you're talking about who's hot and who's not right now, I mean, do you really want to play the guys that, that have all the hope in the world right now that if a couple shots go their way, the next thing you know, you're battling it out against a mid-major with two and a half minutes left in the second half? I don't think so. I think you'd maybe – yeah, I think you'd rather just take your odds with UCLA a little bit. And, you know, listen, everybody was asleep on the Pac-12, including me, and they're having a dandy of a tournament right now. And I don't want people to sleep, like, to say that Alabama's road gets easier. Yeah, I, I get it. Like, if you look at the name brand teams, yeah, it has. But you, you have to play the teams that beat those other teams in your region. It isn't like that you, Abilene Christian just got this. It isn't like Abilene Christian beat Texas by, um, like, DCU lost the other day to Oregon. I mean, they had to play the game. They won the game. They moved on. Um, our, our, our region may be a little easier than others. Some of the blue bloods may be out of it this year, but – Alabama's got to play the teams that they put on put against them in the bracket, and if they make it to the Final Four, if they make it to a regional final, it's all respect for me. Speaking with Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports here with us on the line, you got a prediction for tonight's game between Alabama and Maryland? Yeah, I would set that at seven, minus seven and a half, and I'd, I'd take Bama with that. I think there's just no way John Petty can play three of these in a row, Tennessee, or four of these in a row, rather, Tennessee, LSU, and the last game against Alabama, can John, I mean, if John Petty, he scored 10 points in the last two games combined. Like, he can't have another one of these. And I don't think he will. I think the uh, Jordan Bruner experiment may be about over and has nothing to do with him as a player. It has something to do with him tearing both his uh, meniscus over the last two and a half months. So, for him, I, I, I think that that experiment may be a little done. They may be trying to ride Gary and Reese as your big guys throughout this tournament and hope you can get hot shooting. I thought Gary's done great on the offensive rebounding side and defensive rebounding, to be honest. And he's pretty athletic at the rim. Alex Reese, if he can, if he can shoot two for five from deep, Alabama's going to be just fine. So I would take Alabama in this one. I think they get their head right a little bit. Um, and this is the tournament, guys. You you can't take anything for granted. So many of these teams. Listen, half my brackets busted. I had an Illinois Ohio State rematch in the Final Four, and I mean, you can't take anything for granted in this one. I think it's good for Alabama. To see a lot of these teams lose over the last three days and say this can't happen to us and i know all these other teams are saying the same thing and they're still losing but it feels like does this not just feel like a special some one of those like an auburn year a couple years ago it just feels like one of those special ones like alabama can they might can do this thing change of gears here i think it's probably a good time to remind alabama folks that baseball season is going on and the crimson tide Look like they're a pretty good baseball team, considering they beat Arkansas on Friday night, sixteen to one. Of course, they lost the next two games by a combined score of twelve to two, but the Sunday score was respectable. It was only a three to one loss. Alabama played really well this weekend, considering they're playing the top team, the the top team in the nation right now, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, where do you stand right now with this baseball team? 
Listen, you go on the road to Arkansas and, and you spank them on a Friday. And but the worst thing about baseball is that there's usually two more games left in Alabama. Uh, after they won that one, they I think they uh, Brad Bohannon and the squad thought that they had a good chance to split at least uh, one of the last two. They're not able to do that. They still lose the series. I don't think Alabama's taking anything from this series. You guys know Brad Bohannon. He wants to win. He's not worried about. He's not. He wants to go two and one in these series, not not one and two. So they're going to take the win for Friday. They're going to be excited about that. They're seeing what the bats can do with Dio Dottie and the rest of the guys at the plate. But uh, but Bohannon wants to win these series, and this is just a league. It's a it's tough in the SEC, as I like to say often. And there, it feels like everybody's in the top twenty five. Alabama's sitting right there, very competitive. But this league, from top to bottom, is just so good. The best baseball in the country by far. Jeremy, appreciate you, my man. Thanks for hopping on with us. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. At IMJ underscore law. Guys, have fun. Roll Tide tonight. Appreciate it, Jeremy. That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports online with us previewing tonight's Alabama-Maryland basketball game. That's a 10-2 matchup there, 745 on TNT. Alabama currently favored by six over the Maryland Terrapins who come into the game at 17-13. Alabama going in at 25-6. and six. It's a great information there uh, from Jeremy. What was the major takeaway that you think uh, could happen in tonight's ball game against Maryland? I mean, I think Alabama probably wins this game just because Maryland comes from the worst conference in college basketball <laughs> right now in the Big Ten. They have been exposed as frauds, big frogs all off season right now. And you think they're playing in Big Ten country? They're playing in Indianapolis. Frogs. It it, it, it is being played on your in your home territory of this country. And the Pac-12, the West Coast guys just came in and said, "Now nah, we'll go seven and zero to start." It is, it is, it's wild. It, think, it is wild. I like what Jeremy a said. Statistical anomaly. We were sleeping on the Pac-12. Literally, everybody was asleep when they were playing ball. We That's slept fair. on I, them. I can say with certainty that I did not watch a single Pac-12 basketball game US, this year. USC is favored tonight against Kansas. By the way, I don't know if you saw that. They're the favorite in that game. They that should be. I did pick crazy. that though in my U- bracket. USC, USC is a few like games I got right for out of thirty-two. They're a sneaky team. U- USC is a little sneaky team that nobody again. A lot like all the other Pac-12 schools haven't been paid attention to as much. Oregon, I mean, they keep doing this with Altman every year. So, I mean, every time they come into the tournament, it just feels like they're a 7 or a 10 seed, and then they start running people out of the gym. Another thank you out there to Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports. We will wrap up hour number one on the other side of this break. Stay with us, everybody. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama. On 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Wrapping up hour number one of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you there to Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports for hopping on the line with us in that previous segment. If you ever miss a show, you ever miss a call you ever miss a guest you can go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast find levi and i on twitter at point gardner at levi fitzwater once again number to call phone lines are open 334-321-1390 before we wrap up our number one here let's take a listen to what's on tv tonight Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. American Idol has a new episode tonight on ABC at 7. It's the Hollywood Duets Challenge as contestants look to advance to the next round. Different singing show, The Voice is on NBC at 7 with the blind auditions continuing. 
Movie selections for tonight. Police Academy is on AMC at 7. The Johnny Depp, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is on Freeform at 7.30. The second round of the NCAA tournament wraps up tonight, beginning at 5.10 on TNT with 13 seed Ohio against 5 seed Creighton. At 6.10 on CBS, 8-1 matchup between LSU and Michigan. At 6.45 on TBS, number 5 Colorado will take on number 4 Florida State. At 7.45 on TNT, 2 seed Alabama will look to continue its tournament run against 10 seed Maryland. The last game of the night is between number 6 seed USC and number 3 seed Kansas at 8.40 on CBS. One game in the NBA on television tonight, Pacers at the Bucks at 8 on NBA TV. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. It's time for Crunching the Numbers with Sting. That's how we're going to wrap up this final hour here of online or, or final hour of number one here. We, we've still got another hour coming up and then the drive with Bill, with Bill Cameron will follow us from 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. So we're going to welcome intern Sting onto the line with us. It's been a little bit since we have done our Crunching the Numbers segment. Sting, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing great, guys. So the Crunch of the Numbers segment, Sting, a finance major at Auburn. He understands math, at least I hope he does, Vaguely. considering he is, you know, you know, four years into his study now at Auburn under under finance. Somehow. Yep, somehow. And that that's a hard major, man. I, I knew quite a few people that were in that, and they, they said it was a brutal time. It Some is of the brutal. classes they were telling me about is brutal time. Yeah, but intermediate accounting is the bane of my existence. <laughs> but you're also our, our tiny research department here as well. So you've dug into One the numbers. Show. You've you've dug into the numbers, so now I want to hear what you got for us about the NCAA tournament what are are some things that may not be readily available to folks but you've done the research all right well so it's been two years since the last NCAA tournament guys and the basketball gods decreed that as a result there would be twice as much madness we've got a couple of upset records that have already been broken before the sweet 16 Uh, so far this tournament has broken the record for most upsets prior to the sweet 16 with 11 total upsets before uh, you know in the first weekend that I number is not. now 12 with Oregon yep. beating Iowa. I had Iowa going on to the Elite Eight I to play too. Gonzaga. So yeah. I was very confident that that Iowa team, based on the teams that they were playing and their pod, the bottom half of that region, I was very confident that with Iowa's offense, they should have been able to, to bully their way through that region. But that is not the case. This tournament really has, I've said this several times throughout the show, this tournament has been a statistical anomaly. Ali LaForce tweeted this. I hope I'm not stealing your thunder. This better not be on your list. If it is, I'm sorry. Ali LaForce tweeted, and uh, Steve Witten here at Auburn Network sent me this. Ali LaForce tweeted that every seed on the first day of the NCAA tournament, except for a 16 and a 14 seed, that was just day one, won. All right, so every seed but a 14 and a 16 seed won on day one of the NCAA tournament. That's crazy. That I didn't has, have that. That has never happened before in I tournament history on like a single day. That's never happened before. Wow. Yeah, and so, you know, it, that number, 11 total upsets, doesn't even count the couple of 10-7 upsets that we had because technically the NCAA is not defi- defines an upset as a game won by a team seeded five spots or more below the higher-seeded team that they beat. So... Technically, a 10-7 upset or a 9-8 upset is not an upset in the NCAA's eyes. I mean, Rutgers was actually favored in that game against Clemson. So I, they I, didn't, I, didn't, I, was, I didn't even con- like I didn't consider that an upset anyway, even though they were a lower seed because they were favored them. as the better team. And I think a lot of people did. I think that was probably a trendy. I mean, can I call it upset? I'm still going to call it upset. I don't care if they want to say the five, whatever, yeah, I what, mean, whatever those nerd numbers you're throwing at me. I don't care about it. Just say that the Rutgers was favored. They won the game. My wife just texted me. At least my bracket is still beating yours. All caps. LOL. Wow. 
Thanks, some, babe. That's some shade. That's, Thanks, babe. It'd be your own people sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So the all I'm receiving a lot of hate mail today. Yeah, I just so much hate. <laughs> you don't. You don't deserve it. <laughs> no Stay one does it. And so while we're still, you know, just talking about upsets, the most upsets ever in a single tournament is 13. So we're at 12 upsets by the NCAA's definition before we're even it's out of the first yet. weekend. Especially, well, it's not going to count if Abilene Christian beats UCLA tonight. <laughs> That's true. That won't technically count. I consider so. it an upset in my book. There's just no way. I don't understand how you can't Crossing call that. Crossing fingers here for LSU Michigan. Let's go. I'm just uh, I'm just looking to see all of it. Gonzaga looks like they're pulling away right now from Oklahoma, so they look safe as of right now. So a lot of, you know, all the you know very creative and very individualistic people who went out on a major limb and pit Gonzaga to win the tournament. I'm sure they're sitting pretty right now. Woo! <laughs> yeah. All right. Now after yesterday's game, so now we have eight teams that have so far qualified for the Sweet 16. The other eight, of course, playing today. The eight teams that have so far qualified after yesterday all belong to a different conference. So there are eight different conferences represented by the eight wonder, teams. I'm sure that's happened before, it, right? Uh, I don't. I'm sure it has. I actually didn't write it down if it did, but the record is 11 different conferences in the Sweet 16. Oh, well, then it that was probably set has. in 91 and 2012. This so. this year is like some of these numbers and some of these facts that you're, that you're pulling out to me right now. Like that is, uh, it, it's showing me that it's even more of an anomaly than I previously twice as would much have. madness. <laughs> it's it it's been crazy. I mean, I haven't seen there. It, this has been such a crazy tournament. I'm, the comeback season, the comeback tournament after we miss one. I'm glad it's been this crazy. We deserve it. America deserves yeah. this. It's been a long after, two years after what happened last year with the tournament. America deserved this. College basketball fans deserve this kind of madness. You got anything else for us, Sting? I got two more things. I got so four teams seated 13th or higher advanced to the round of 32. That's the only time that has ever happened. So we had 13. Two 13s, a 14, and a 15. So That's never happened before. I'm about to go and find something as well. Keep going. But I, I've got something yeah. on that because, like, statistically, and I know I keep saying that word, like, I cannot stress this enough. What has happened this year does not happen. Like, this many low seeds making it it's this far does not happen. Really, it, it's, it is it is very rare for something lower than a 12, or for a team lower than a 12 to make the Sweet 16. Just one of them. Just yeah. one. Just one. And now we have multiple possibilities. You've got a 15. Right? It just doesn't happen. You've got a yeah. 15, an 11, or a 14 will definitely make it to the Sweet 16. You have a 12 in Oregon State who's already advanced as well. Ohio has a good chance if they can knock off Creighton later this afternoon as well. I mean, yep. there's there's a good opportunity for so many lower seeds to advance, and I absolutely love yeah. every second of it. It is chaos. It is madness. Yeah. And so here, I just want to take one second. We still got a little bit of time, to talk, probably to talk about the craziest game in my opinion in the first round. I don't know how many people watched it. Abilene Christian beating Texas is the last game of day two, I believe. And got a couple things here, just how improbable that was. Abilene Christian Christian took twenty seven more shots than Texas did in that game. They shot twenty nine point nine percent from the field, including sixteen point seven percent from three. They still Ugh. won. Ugh. 53-52, turn mm-hmm. up. The difference in free throws attempted by er, and made, actually, by the two teams was one. I believe Abilene Christian was 10 for 12 from the free throw line. Texas was 9 for 11. And the kid who made those two game-winning free throws for ACU was a 59% free throw shooter on the season. So I got that stat for you guys real quick as we wrap it up here for the first hour of On the Line. Point, that's right, 0.256. 13 seeds or lower make it to the Sweet 16 on average. Wow. 
You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you in the studio in Auburn, Alabama on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Phone lines are open. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Once again, number to call, 334-321-1390. A lot of things to dig into in this second hour here. We haven't even gotten to Auburn baseball yet. I'm a little downtrodden, but also probably more up on this team than maybe some people are. And I've been down on this team at times this year, but I still think there's some silver linings to take away from this past weekend against Ole Miss. We'll get into that. We're going to talk some Auburn football as well, and that's how we're going to start off our number two here with an Auburn football discussion. Earlier in the show, we were discussing culture versus scheme, which is more important for Auburn to have changed going into this year. I landed on culture. Levi, you, you did tip your hat to culture, but you're still more on the scheme side of things. We want to hear from you on that still as well. Once again, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. The way I want to start this second hour off is this week our 8A depth chart series that we're going to do on Wednesday is going to be about the defensive line. So we, we will go into our predictions for what the defensive line will look like going into the 8A game for that defensive line depth chart but I want to start this conversation off with the defensive line and kind of previewing that as the week goes on this week once again we're going to dive into that defensive line depth chart who is your best bet for someone to emerge as a pass rushing threat on this defensive line for Auburn because they were lacking that pass rush this previous year yeah I mean that's a that's an area where they're severely lacking and I really like Ekuliota coming from Northwestern I think he's a guy that can really come in he's played he played on a very good defense last year and I think he can come in and provide some good pass rush in this new this new defense that is being trotted out I I've looked at him a couple times from some of his Northwestern highlights and I just like the culture he's coming from he's a culture fit if you're coming from Northwestern you're you're gonna fit. You're under, a culture guy. Yeah, you're a culture guy. If you're playing under Pat Fitzgerald, who is one of you know the more underrated head coaches in the country, play he's he, he overcomes talent deficiency oh, yeah. with culture and hard exactly. work. Exactly. He's he does so much with so little at his you know at Northwestern. His alma alma mater. He loves that university. So a guy. There's a reason why he hasn't left. I'm sure he's oh, had the yeah. opportunity. Oh, 100. Right? He's been an amazing head coach at Northwestern because they're. Northwestern, you know, if you're not, you know, super familiar with them, they're pretty much Vanderbilt in the Big Ten. That's pretty much what they are doing in the Big Ten in terms of getting their recruits. Probably a little bit better. Probably better off to get recruits there than Vanderbilt. I'm not quite sure. You got Chicago. I say you can get some guys from like that Chicago area and maybe pull some guys like that. But yeah, he's been doing a lot with nothing. I like the football's also different there in the Big Ten, though. It's not uh, as predicated on speed and athleticism as it is the in the big, SEC. It's, it's the big uh, corn fed 
corn-fed boys of the Midwest. There's a reason why Northwestern and everybody else in the Big Ten get smashed by Ohio State typically. I say typically, occasionally Ohio State gets upset, but they get upset by teams like Penn State, right, that are able to cultivate some type of athleticism and speed, at least more so than the average Big Ten school. Sometimes we see these Northwestern teams go into that Ohio State-Northwestern game. We saw that back in like 2014, 2013-ish as well, that Northwestern was like, five and oh or something like that going on to play ohio state and what happens ohio state still outclasses them because ohio state's got the best athletes in the big 10 and nobody else even comes close so it's a little bit different out there they, they don't have to recruit as well as they don't have to hit as high of a recruiting threshold as vanderbilt does or as high of a talent threshold as vanderbilt does to be able to compete in the big 10 vanderbilt has to hit a much higher talent threshold i would say to be able to compete in the sec i agree with that i agree they have to hit so it's a little bit harder for vanderbilt to get guys because they don't have to because northwestern doesn't have to hit as high of a margin but yeah i like the guy i think he's a good culture guy coming in i think he could provide a good pass rush maybe not the the most likely in my opinion but he is a guy that i'm looking out for and i think i and i, I mean there's a couple different guys on here he's just a guy the I want obvious to choices are eku leota who you're talking about right now and then Derek hall i think those are the yes. two likely answers to be the best pass rushers at Auburn this upcoming year yeah I mean I think those are the two like if you're putting the favorites it's one of those two guys who probably come out and emerge uh do you how do you feel about Wooten do you feel any kind of way about him coming like what do you think about what he's going to bring for the pass say rush Wooten or Wooten? Wooden Wooden is what I meant not Wooten <laughs> Wooden is what I meant to say it's like well Chandler Wooten may not start on the linebacker <laughs> yeah. spot but you know I don't think he's going to be an edge rusher uh, an edge rusher either so I need yeah. I need Auburn across their sports I need them to recruit guys with varying last names. I got call, a lot of Johnsons, man. I call, got a lot of Johnsons. I call Barrett Barnett. I call Barnett Barrett every time. I just I, Wooten, Wooten and Wooden. I mean, I a lot of Johnsons, a lot of Jacksons, a lot of Davises. It's. I, I need a little bit more diversity in the last name department, Auburn. Okay, I'm getting confused. I can't read very well. Okay, Wooden is on my list, but. I don't think he's the most likely candidate. Once again, the two guys that I've that I've listed that I think your obvious choices are Derek Hall and Eku Leota. I did put a couple other guys on there. I really like Zykevis Walker. Maybe it's because I remember so much of that LSU game, which really feels like the last happy memories you have of Auburn football. But though that I mean, the last time that you really felt like they flexed their muscles onto somebody, you know, and Zykevis Walker was a big part of that. He just did so much more on the interior of the defensive line, which doesn't shout pass rusher to me but maybe there's something i mean the scheme's changing and guys are going to move around but i, I wouldn't say zykevis walker is uh, a front runner by any means wouldn't just always struck me as slow just yeah i mean i could see that just kind of a slow guy but that would be my major criticism of the entire armor defensive line which will bring me to my next question here what are your initial impressions of the defensive line g- group going into the spring and for me some of the ways that I described this football team in the opening segment of the show, I would use to describe this defensive line. I felt like they were softer than the offensive lines that they were playing in the league on average because I can't tell you how many times that we saw these guys getting blocked out of the frame on television and they're just being massive wide open holes in the interior. It's like, what is going on? Or do you guys even lift? Like this is this is really tough to watch other teams run the football the way that they were on Auburn. The other bit, this is more towards the pass rush, but it can also be attributed to run stopping. Auburn's first step always seemed to be consistently slower than opposing offensive linemen. Something I would use to describe this defensive line as slow. 
I just never felt like someone was just coming blazing fast off the off the edge like maybe we saw in the past with guys like Jeff Holland and um trying to think about, you know Carl Lawson Carl Lawson may have been a big dude but he was in your backfield quick just I I, I don't see that with this group it doesn't seem like there's a guy who's just you, you don't have a guy that you're just super super confident who's going to out you know athleticize someone but on else the, but on the flip side is the 2019 defensive line that everybody was talking about was going to be you know the greatest defensive line that they've ever seen at, in Auburn history that had you know Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson leading it I don't think that that defensive line was that fast either it just had extreme brute force that's true Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson they were, were just, able to yeah. push you back into the backfield I mean, we saw Derrick Brown throw a guard into Joe Burrow for a sack. You know, like all, that was more of a bull rushing, powerful. That was just bully. It that was. was. Just, they, you were just. They were just bullying other linemen. But guess what? Those two guys left. They're not there anymore. And then the the defensive line that Auburn has now is the defensive line that remained. It was the defensive line that was with that team, which is why I still call it slow. And guess what? There were no pass rushers on it. That's how it goes. I mean, if you if you're going to be a slower defensive line you have to make up for that somewhere and in the 2019 case they were just physically imposing and just drove people back this line couldn't do that and that's why you saw the ability for other teams to run the ball with incredible efficiency against Auburn's defensive line because they weren't pushing guys back then they didn't have speed to really get around the edge for pass rush either so you just saw what appeared to be a slow middling defensive line last year because they didn't do anything exceptionally well. They were just kind of there at times. So I've asked you this question several times over the last couple of weeks in our conversations about the offensive line versus the defensive line, which were undoubtedly the two worst units on Auburn's football team last year. I've asked you this, these questions on several occasions, and I really struggle with this answer of like, which unit am I least confident in? for Auburn football going into this season is it, is it the defensive line or the offensive line of course this is all just you know off-season sports talk right like it doesn't really matter we'll find out day one when the season begins but sometimes I find myself thinking that I'm less confident in the defensive line than I am in the offensive line because I actually think there are like natural fits still on the offensive side of the ball that can improve like Keandre Jones is a guy that I think has got a high upside on the offensive line Bro Darius Ham has shown flashes of being an absolute wrecking ball Nick Brahms, you'd surely expect on the offensive side for him to have figured it out at the center position by year three or four at the position, right? I mean, this is this is two and a half years of starting experience that he's going to be logging this year. So, like, you, it, it, you, you talk about some depth, too, that could possibly show its head because there's some Juco guys that we haven't even gotten to see on the offensive side. I'm not confident in the offensive line, but I'm still thinking, does Eku Leota come into Auburn and some of these other additions that have been in recruiting, like Juco transfer, Joko Willis, is that enough? Like, I feel like we're talking about the same thing when you're when you're discussing the offensive line, the defensive line. You're really hedging your bets on them improving. And there's not, like, you're not confident in either unit, but I partially feel that there's more of an upside to the offensive line. I feel like there's guys that could make a bigger leap and impress you a little bit more. See, but I don't know. They've recruited the defensive line so much better exactly so I mean, you would expect there to be more potential on the defensive side of the ball which i think that's where most people land is that there's more potential on the defensive line i think there's higher upside like i mean like you could see a guy because i think they're and i say that simply for the fact that it's the expectations of the offensive line are so low that any kind of jump seems to be like substantially higher 
than a jump that somebody could make on the defensive line, at least in my opinion. So, but yeah, I mean, you don't you don't feel confident in either group, and that's it's really sad. I, I want to see how this moves forward. It's a bad place to be at in the SEC. You, if if one of your lines are bad, you're in a bad place. If both of them are bad, you're in a really bad place. And that's I mean, they got to improve. They got to fix both yeah, for lines. For a while, it was just Auburn's offensive line was the bad thing. I mean, now, the defensive but, line was carrying them through games yeah. at certain points in 2019. I mean, Auburn. I don't not, think people realized how effective Derek Brown was. Like people knew he was really good. People knew that he was one of the best defensive linemen that they've ever seen in an Auburn uniform, but I don't think people really understood it until he left. Go watch that LSU game. Just go watch one of the one of the best, like historically and statistically greatest offenses we had seen at at the college football level, and see what they did. To and, that. He, and that entire defensive line, not just Derek Brown, but Derek Brown and Marlon mm-hmm. Davidson, were the main focal points of that. That defensive line, like single-handedly, like Superman style, put Earth on their shoulders. They, and, and Auburn has them no, through it. yeah, Auburn has no chance in that game if they don't play the way they did and, on that front. And yeah. that was also, you know, including massive SEC officiating blunders throughout that game. Of, I mean, they they were having to hold hold Derek. Brown also, on top of this, Auburn's running like a three-one-six formation, so they had even one less pass rusher. You know. Yeah, they were they, dropping back eight into coverage. They, yeah, they had to drop back into coverage. They had to drop back to try to stop Joe Burrow and just kind of hope that they could get home with their line. Luckily, they could. I mean, it's a lot. You see that parallel in the NFL where teams who can get three or four man rushes on Tom Brady, they can actually stop him because they can drop everybody else back. Is it was a lot like that with Joe Burrow? They were able to kind of mitigate that by bring getting rushed with three guys and just letting the other guys drop back into coverage and just hope that Derek Brown bull rushes someone into Joe Burrow. While getting held, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of growth here that needs to happen for this Auburn defensive line moving forward. Some other topics to talk about today: we got Auburn baseball conversations coming up. Tigers were swept by Ole Miss this weekend. It's pretty close after the first two games, but on Sunday that's when the that's when the dam broke and the runs just flooded in early. I mean, Auburn was down by as much as like nine or ten to zero after three or four innings. And then the Tigers had a big nine-run frame late in the ballgame yesterday, but still not enough to bring the comeback back. So this Auburn team struggling right now on the on the baseball diamond. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break here on All the Line. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. Once again, 334-321-1390. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. Auburn baseball getting swept this weekend by Ole Miss. Lost by a run, both on Friday night and Saturday afternoon. But on Sunday... Not so much. 19-11, Auburn lost to Ole Miss yesterday to complete the sweep, or for Ole Miss to complete the sweep, rather. And Ole Miss, 3-0 now in SEC play. Auburn, 0-3. This Tiger team only, let's see, I believe they're three games above 500. No, two games above 500 now, sitting at 11-9 overall on the year. Well, I got that mixed up again. 11-8 overall on the year, 0 3 in the SEC is this Auburn baseball team and my question to you Levi is this Auburn baseball team a tournament team right now as they are nearing 500 
I don't, overall. I don't think so. Not right now. I don't think they're a tournament team right now as it currently stands. Do they have the talent to become a tournament team? Absolutely. But just the way they're playing right now and with how we've seen you know certain areas be affected by injury, I'm talking about pitching, you can see that there is potential for this to be a tournament team if they can put it all together at one time. Get the hitting going at one time, have all your pitching, you know, have your pitching staff healthy, and you could be and you, you're talented enough to make a tournament run. We've seen this, we've seen Auburn do it before. Right now, I just don't know if I feel confident saying this is a tournament team because I haven't really seen it against top notch competition. I mean, you they beat Texas AM. That was that's the the best win that I think I've seen them have on the year. They drop they drop one to Little Rock. They blow the lead to ball. I mean, Boston College was the other good win, but they blew that that game at the end of the series, and it makes you kind of feel weary about it. When things go awry for this Auburn pitching oh, staff, it gets ugly. It's just like it could be like a little small leak, and then the next thing you know, it is just flooding out there. And I I don't know what it is about them that does that, but they haven't shown a lot of resiliency and the ability to be able to weather the storm or ride the ship, and that worries me. It makes me feel less confident in them as a tournament team if they can't do that. Moving forward on the Auburn baseball schedule, ignoring midweek games. We're just looking at SEC series moving forward here. I don't see a whole lot of winnable series. So it it feels weird to me to say that this weekend against Kentucky is make or break. But it is a make or break weekend because Kentucky is one of the worst teams in the SEC right now in baseball. Like They're beatable. If you don't take this series at home – you're in trouble because what's coming up next you got a team that was the top ranked team in the country this previous weekend in Arkansas which sure Auburn fans are be like well they lost 16 to 1 to Alabama on Friday and then yeah they came back the next two days and won 12 to 2 like I don't know what happened on Friday against Alabama and that Alabama team is really good too I'm not saying anything anything against Alabama I think Auburn right now is the worst team of the SEC West and by all indications of the record I mean that would be true so then you got Arkansas after Kentucky that's going to be brutal because it's on the road in Fayetteville then you got to host Mississippi State a lot of good home field advantage is going to do for you against another top 10 team in college baseball. Then you've got to go to Alabama. So you're going to be in Tuscaloosa for an upstart Alabama team that is going to want to take your lunch money. They're going to want to bully you. That's I mean, that, that's just the truth because Auburn baseball historically has been the better program over the last you know six years, seven years, and now this Alabama team is trying to make it into the tournament. They're trying to be – they're trying to take Auburn's spot right in the SEC West hierarchy. That's a series for them to be able to do that. After that, you're playing a Florida team that's been in the top five consistently this year. That's at home. Once again, I go back to a lot of good home field advantage is going to do for you in terms of trying to win that series. you got a Georgia team who's top ten right now on the road. After that, you got LSU at home. That one, I think, is a winnable series at home. You got A&M at home, and then you got Missouri on the road. So your last three series are a chance where if you did not get swept on multiple occasions across like Arkansas, Mississippi State, Florida, Alabama, if you were able to, to steal some wins, maybe steal a series. Like I, I think Auburn needs to win the Alabama series, and they need to steal a series from someone else. And if they avoid getting swept, you're going into those final three series with a real opportunity to make it to the NCAA tournament. You're a fringe team, but if you go and do your work across those final three series, you'll make the NCAA tournament. You're hoping, heading into those last three series if you're Auburn, you're getting your staff back healthy. Everybody's kind of getting into mid to late season form. Maybe you can strike up that same type of momentum that you struck back in 2019 when they went to Omaha. 
That's what you're banking off for this Auburn team right now to be able to achieve the high end of their results, which is make the NCAA tournament. I think talent-wise, the team is capable of making it to a Super Regional. Right now, are they that type of team? No, this is not a tournament team right now by the way that they're playing ball. But they're also missing several key players. And the guys that have begun to came back, like Richard Fitz, Jack Owen even got a little bit of work yeah, this past to, weekend. He got yep. shelled. But those guys aren't even at 100%. He got, he got to at least go out there. And I think that was – That's just that, important that, that was something to be able to good. throw. I mean, get shelled or not, you got to go out there. And, you got to throw. You got to throw. And it was – I mean, it's against Ole Miss. It's a good, against a good baseball team. And it was his first action of the year. Yeah. I mean, you got to at least throw the baseball, which is good. And I know you were only talking about the SEC series. Give up five runs. But you also – recorded one out. You also got to think – Threw 23 pitches and give up five runs. I know. The, it gets uglier and uglier. Say, it's, it's, it's not, it's not it. good, but I mean like, – Walked two batters as well. Good gracious. I mean, you'd rather – He faced eight batters and only threw 23 pitches? You'd rather him – Man. You'd rather him do that – in that game where he's, you know what I mean? Like his first action, just kind of getting back healthy. He's not 100% and just kind of getting to throw it. You'd rather see that in a game where you've already lost and you're just kind of letting him go out there and, you know, get some action rather than you trot him out there in a game where it matters and then he gets absolutely shelled. Get that out of the way. Get Just get the experience of being able to throw again out of the window. And, yeah, like you were saying about the SEC series, I do want to point out the one game in the midweek that they do have at Georgia Tech as well. You want to win that game too, if I'm not mistaken. That'll, that'll boost your RPI a bit. Yeah, you got to play that as well. You know, right before. So you're going to look at that schedule where you're going at Georgia Tech and then you're playing a series against Alabama that weekend. That is going to be a tough four-game stretch for Auburn. And it's going to be very important for them. You want to go 2-2 two and two over that Georgia Tech and three series at Alabama. You want to go 2-2 two and two over that stretch. If not, you're definitely not looking hot going to you know like you're not looking like you're gonna come out and become a tournament team they play south alabama this week on tuesday that game being played in montgomery uh part of that capital city classic not playing alabama this year in the midweek that's not happening so they're playing south alabama instead and uh South Alabama may be only ten and nine, but they did give Alabama some trouble. That one, that final score there, Alabama won eleven to eight. But that was the that was South the grand, Alabama's respectable. Wasn't that the Grand Slam game? There, the didn't Alabama hit the walk off Grand Slam to beat South Alabama? If I'm not mistaken, I I'll trust wrong. you on it. They I, did beat a team that way, but I, I can't remember if it was South. I, I can't. I feel like it was Don't South Alabama. You be able I'm, to, find I'm it. about to go look. I think that was South Alabama. So I look at this Auburn baseball schedule, and I just broke it down for you a little bit in terms of difficulty. You're definitely about to go in the most difficult stretch of sec play right now and i mean it honestly like the sec's a gauntlet everybody i mean it's borderline cliche when you talk about how tough every team is that you play against but that's the reality that that this auburn baseball team is facing they can't get swept i told you i was right on this this previous week when i was talking about this series i said look auburn's best chance to avoid getting swept is on friday and saturday you go into sunday and you haven't won a game yet you're not going to win because the pitching staff is going to be that depleted. And they did exactly what they had to do on Friday. I said, look, this team needs to go and get the best outing that they've had out of Greenhill. They need to go out there, keep it low scoring, use as little arms as possible. The problem is they didn't do that on Saturday, and the bullpen got depleted the day before Sunday. It might have even been better if they had lost that on Friday so that they would have had guys available for Sunday. But nonetheless, it didn't matter because you give up – I don't even know how much that would have changed, you know, the 19 runs. You still give up 11 runs. Like, I, I – it, this Auburn team is not bad they've got talent and I've said this many times on this show never write off talent 
They're just not playing well right now. They're That's not. the issue. They're not playing well right now. I don't right think now. they're playing horribly. I thought they played well on Friday and Saturday. They just didn't do enough to win. Like, look, it. I, I don't want to say it's unacceptable, but it's borderline unacceptable for you to lose on Friday 1-0. to When you get that type of outing, like, you got to score a run, especially when in multiple occasions you had runners in scoring position and you left them stranded. And I feel like we talk about that way too much and with what, Auburn baseball what? and Auburn softball. You got to plate the runs to win games like this. And what what have we always said has been this issue with the team? It's been hitting consistently. I mean, you went through if you if you're holding Ole Miss to one run, you you're thinking you're going to win that. You game. should win that ball you game. Think you, you have nine to, times out of ten, you should win that game. You have to take advantage if you're going to hold a team like Ole Miss to just one run. You have to take advantage of that, and you have to win that game. Look, you give up 19 runs. I get it. I expect you to lose that game. But when you're only giving up one run to Ole Miss. You expect that you were able to at least plate one to two runs in and make it a game. That that was the most disappointing. I know that's the closest game, and that's the one that we should be more excited about, but I feel more disappointed in that one because I can understand what happened with that 19-run game. I mean, pitching staff's depleted. It's Sunday. I get that. I understand. Is it really acceptable? Absolutely not. Do you understand the logic and reasoning behind it? Yeah, you do. But you don't understand why you can't score more than one run on Friday, when you've got a good baseball team within a vi- you know, within your grasp to beat them, and you just could not close the deal, I just think Auburn and the gap between them as a baseball team and the rest of the SEC right now, or at least at you know the upper echelon of the SEC, I think it's a lot farther than you would think based off of the talent Auburn has on this roster. Right, that's a great way to put it. That is a great way to put it. The team's got talent to be able to compete. The team's talented enough to go far in the NCAA tournament. The problem is right now the way they're, they're playing as a group and not stringing it all together. Then One day the pitching will be out of this world, but the bats will be MIA, missing in action, gone. And then the next day, Auburn will put up nine runs into a ball game you're up nine to one going into the ninth inning and you give up nine in the in the in the ninth inning or you give up eight in the ninth inning you go to extras and you lose right like they just haven't put it all together in the games that have mattered they've only done that twice and they still lost those series you know they they still lost the series to boston college they still lost two out of three in the round rock classic and then they get swept this weekend where i thought it was just important for them to not get swept just win one out of three nobody's going to blame you for going one and two against the number four team in the nation if anything that gives you something to build off of now the only direction is up it's a make or break weekend against kentucky you really don't want to leave this weekend one and five in sec play because if you do well it's a hard hole to dig out of when you got number one arkansas mississippi state alabama florida georgia it, it it's it almost becomes insurmountable We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Are you panicking about Auburn baseball? Find Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Levi, are you panicking about Auburn baseball after the sweep against Ole Miss? I'm not necessarily panicking because they haven't really they they haven't fallen below what my expectations have been for this team. You're you're a lot higher on than I am. So I'm not necessarily panicking, but I am a little bit disappointed in what we've seen out of them so far. 
So I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say panicking. I'm just going to say aggravated that they're not playing up to the talent. And I, I will panic when they lose to a team that I think they should actually compete with. Like if they lose, if they put up this same exact weekend to Kentucky, then I'd be panicking or to Texas A&M or to, you know, a team that I think they're inherently should be competing with better than what they're competing, you know, better than what they're playing right now. But I get it. You played Ole Miss. Understand that. It's just it's just disappointing for me because I didn't have the highest expectations like you had, despite the talent that this team has. I was still just not I was not sold on this team's ability to hit combined with the injuries at the pitching staff. It just felt like they were going to, I don't know, like stumble a little bit early on just because of the storm, the way it's set up for them. This team is too talented and too experienced to have an abysmal season. But I feel like Auburn is on the doorstep. They're on the precipice of falling apart this year. And people may be saying, ah, you're you're overreacting, give this team time. Because I see a lot of that on social media. There are people out there who think that this team is awful, which I'm not there. I'm not saying this is an awful team. They're super talented. And yes, they're hurt. They're depleted. Insert reason here why they're struggling right now. I get it. But I also know that this team is not more talented, even at full strength, than the teams that they will be playing against after this Kentucky series. This Kentucky series isn't even a slouch. Kentucky's 2-1 and one in the SEC. They got the fortunate nature of the schedule to be able to play the worst team in the SEC in Missouri in opening weekend, and they only went 2-1 and one against them and lost the Sunday game. They won the first game against Missouri 10-2, won the second game 5-4, and then the last game 3-5. to five. So Kentucky very close to have almost lost the series to Missouri, right? Like, Kentucky is still one of the worst teams in the SEC East, one of the worst teams in the SEC. But the way Auburn's playing right now, it's very possible that Auburn doesn't win that series against Kentucky if they don't come to play at home, if the bats aren't there every game, if they're not, you know, you can't give up eight runs in the bottom of the ninth. You know, you can't, you can't spot a team nine runs like you did against Ole Miss on Sunday through the first three or four innings. You just can't do that And Auburn right now I feel like is on the precipice of having this season fall off a cliff because you look at the schedule coming up for Auburn it's Arkansas Mississippi State Georgia Alabama some really really good baseball teams that even if Auburn was at full strength I'm not giving Auburn a chance to win the series I shouldn't say not giving them a chance but it's it's not a good chance you're not confident like you don't feel comfortable like saying that they, they'll win a series like that right now they I mean, can take a game but when you fall behind say you lose the series against Kentucky this weekend you're one in five and that's how I ended last segment saying like you're one in five it's borderline insurmountable because you're expecting to go probably one and two against Arkansas then you're two and seven and you're nearing the midway point of the SEC schedule at that point oh then by the way you got Mississippi State Mississippi State may be at home but still you wouldn't expect to win that series maybe you take one out of three in that one as well, and then you're three and nine, and then that really, it, it just begins to... And then it starts to snowball. Right. You're sitting there looking at three and nine, you're thinking, what, like, what's the point? Because we're not going to be able to get out of this, and then you start seeing lack of engagement, pe- players get discouraged, the fans turn on the team. That, and then the, I think they're already turning. I mean, that, and that's hard. It's hard to overcome. Once, the fan, once you lose fan support, you, you're not going to play as hard. I mean, that's just part of it you start getting aggravated you start getting aggravated with your teammates the fans everybody and it just spirals from there so i am beginning to panic it comes down to kentucky i mean you start with kentucky you got to put a good show in against them to Have make or to. break weekend it really is i mean if they go one and three if they they one take and two one and two sorry if they take if they go one and two this weekend i don't know how you come back 
I like you have to like I'm get, feeling the heat right now. You have to flip that switch somewhere and absolutely go on a, just a legendary tear throughout the rest of the season if you go if you start one and two this weekend. If not, I mean I I don't think this Auburn team's going to be able to make it out. I just really don't. By no means am I saying that this team I'm not I'm not saying that this team isn't talented. I'm not saying that this team is is not good. This is a good team. This team has talent. This team has the ability. That's why I would begin to panic at the moment because this thing really could slip away if they don't begin to put it together. And I wouldn't even say that it's their fault. It's just a shame that the injuries mounted and mounted at just the wrong time and these guys haven't came back at full strength yet. Now, the other question to ask is, if they do get back to full strength, we don't know when that'll be, but say they do begin to get back to full strength. I don't think they're going to be at 100% this weekend. But say no other injuries occur. They get back to 100% following this Kentucky series. You're going into that Arkansas series. Still a 100% Auburn team going into the most difficult stretch of their season that faces that, that will face them with like four top 10 teams in the nation. Like, Do you still think that a, that a full-strength Auburn team facing four top 10 teams is, is going to put you in a good position going into the final stretch of the year? No, I mean, like you don't like you don't feel it's that way. It's a brutal way. schedule yeah, for Auburn. It, it really was very hard. unfortunate. We talked about that when it came out. Like this, this was not, this was, yeah, not, was not an favorable. easy schedule. No, it's not at all. I mean, they have a really tough schedule, and that, that's what happens. That's what happens when you play SEC baseball. Sometimes you're going to get a brutal schedule with your conference because guess what? Almost the entire conference is really, really good. Almost the entire conference is ranked in the top twenty-five. So it's going to be a hard schedule regardless but it just lined up really badly for Auburn especially where some of those upper tier you know series are sandwiched between I mean it's some it's just bad going down the stretch that's why this game this weekend or this series this weekend is so important because this is a game that is a lot more winnable than let's say the Arkansas series or the Florida series so you want to take this one more like this this is the one that you can get to at least like jump start Maybe you shouldn't win this one, but you really need to to give yourself some sort of momentum and confidence moving forward. Switching gears here to the National Football League, the NFL revealing its plans for the 2021 draft in Cleveland. Some fans Cleveland. are going to be. I know, right? That's that's my city. That's where my team is, and we're getting to host the draft. And a big part of the reason why the Browns are back unit in the nfl now are actually a decent team is because of what they've been able to do through the draft but the draft plans being revealed teams are going to be able to be back in their draft rooms. some fans are going to be allowed a very small percentage and they all have to be vaccinated and all have to be masked have you read up on this at all you know what the nfl is planning for all this i've read up a little bit on it just you know some of the... really it is it's just the protocol that i just said what are your thoughts yeah. on that I mean, it's good. It's really good to get guys back in it. I was a little upset because I had applied for tickets last year to the draft that was supposed to be held in Las Vegas. And obviously, we know how that went and didn't go through or materialize. And would have loved to see a really good draft go on last year in Las Vegas with the new stadium and you know the new team in town, the Raiders. It would have been nice. But Cleveland, this is good for the city of Cleveland as well because it's going to bring people into the city. It's going to allow people to come you know, in increase that economy and whatnot draft day is my favorite day i know everybody loves the march madness tournament everybody loves this and that my favorite day is draft day in the nfl that whole draft week the coverage i absolutely 
love it. So I'm just excited that guys can be back there in, in their draft house. I assume that players will be there in attendance as well. I would assume, maybe, maybe not, because... I didn't see anything about that. You missed the handshakes. You missed the hugs. You missed the good deal hugs. I don't know if they're going to have that. I didn't see that in the article I was reading I I mean, it doesn't... It makes more sense for them not to be there, but I would hope that they are. Um, It just... I guess it really depends on where we are with this. Where we are, because, I mean, you're starting to see vaccinations get rolled out a lot more. Maybe that allows for some players to come and be there. You know, maybe they limit some. You know, normally they'll have, what, like... 20 30 guys maybe they just have you know some of the top 10 or 15 guys that they're almost guaranteed to go pretty high i'm not sure what they're going to do with that i'm just excited to see the draft go back and have guys back in the draft room which is nice it is definitely not that far away oh it's fun i love it i love draft day so much it's my absolute favorite day love it what are we we are a month and a week that's how far we are out the draft is april 29th and then uh crossing to may i think maybe may 2nd may 3rd was when it went through i think i saw i'm gonna go back up and look that up because that does not sound right i say that feels a little that that feels a little late i think maybe it's the the week before that the 20 whatever week before that one because maybe i'm maybe i'm not maybe i'm thinking that wrong because i feel like i've never seen draft day be on like a graduation weekend for university and it feels like it's kind of late but again COVID-19, everything has been kind of shifted around and moved in different various ways. That no, it's not definitely April to. 29th. I was right on that. I was trying to figure that. out when it closes. It's May 1st is when it ends. I heard that. Okay, so cool. So it does end that graduation weekend for Auburn University. That is very nice and well to understand that. Well, that seems like Auburn's graduation weekend is maybe pushed up a little bit. I said, well, normally I feel like they're usually in the single digits, if I'm not mistaken. No, you're right. That is right. Just working, working in fine dining. You get to yeah, you remember I, I, that day. I graduated gets on like a fifth, I think. That day, oh, you got to graduate. I just, or I mean, I got to graduate. I just didn't get to commence. I didn't get to go do any commencements after mine. Yeah, I got out before the pandemic happened, yeah. man. Yeah, mine. I, I, I went was on, well before that. <laughs> went on, went on spring break, and I never came back. They, they shut it down right when we got back. So that's just how it goes. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for the NFL draft. I mean, the Jets are really the ones on the clock. Even if the Jags got the number one pick. We know who's going to the Jags, and it's going to be interesting to see what the Jets do. Do they go with a guy like Zach Wilson that people are prepping him to or projecting him to, or will they do what people were saying initially and they'll go get Justin Fields or go get somebody else like that? Do they still rock with Sam Darnold? Who knows? It's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll talk a lot about that when it gets closer, you know, throughout that week and kind of detail where some guys are going to end up and go and look at the Auburn and Alabama guys that are going as well. Alabama's having pro day soon. So that's some other news. Devontae too. Smith will get weighed there, right? Is that only? I think that's only where he's getting weighed. I don't think it's going to go a point in his favor. A lot of people, if they're down on Smith, it's because of his weight as a smaller wide receiver. We'll be back with more of On the Line. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Wrapping up the show here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on the line with you. Before we wrap up the show here, let's take a listen to What's On TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. American Idol has a new episode tonight on ABC at 7. It's the Hollywood Duets Challenge as contestants look to advance to the next round. Different singing show, The Voice is on NBC at 7 with the blind auditions continuing. 
Movie selections for tonight. Police Academy is on AMC at 7. The Johnny Depp, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is on Freeform at 7.30. The second round of the NCAA tournament wraps up tonight, beginning at 5.10 on TNT with 13 seed Ohio against 5 seed Creighton. At 6.10 on CBS, 8-1 matchup between LSU and Michigan. At 6.45 on TBS, number 5 Colorado will take on number 4 Florida State. At 7.45 on TNT, 2 seed Alabama will look to continue its tournament run against 10 seed Maryland. The last game of the night is between number 6 seed USC and number 3 seed Kansas at 8.40 on CBS. One game in the NBA on television tonight, Pacers at the Bucks at 8 on NBA TV. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. NCAA tournament continues today with a round of 32. Trying to go and look at that scoreboard real quick and get some numbers for you. Gonzaga just put away Oklahoma 87 to 71. Just wrapped up just a moment ago. Oregon earlier today knocked off two seed Iowa 95 to 80. So Oregon into the Sweet 16. Gonzaga into the Sweet 16. They're on opposite ends of that region. So the soonest that those two teams could meet each other is in the Elite Eight. I had Iowa and Gonzaga in the Elite Eight, so there goes one of my Elite Eight teams again. I say one of. A lot of my Elite Eight teams are gone, as are most people's, because this has been a crazy tournament. Rest of the schedule today happening in the NCAA tournament. Still a lot of games. It goes well into your evening. You got 415 on TBS. Abilene Christian, UCLA is the next game up, and then right after that, 510 on TNT. 13-seed Ohio against 5-seed Creighton. LSU-Michigan in action. Colorado-Florida State, Maryland-Alabama, USC-Kansas. If an upset's happening today, which one is it? And I'm not saying the NCAA's, you know, wording of upset. I mean, truly the lower seed beating the higher seed. What, what, what's happening today? So you're, so you're asking me which team I think is going to, in my opinion, what lower seed is going to win? Not the not the nerd definition that's yeah, and, and and that nerd definition was five seats lower than the other one, which is ridiculous. If you're a lower seed than the other one, it's an upset. Or else you just literally didn't give any credence whatsoever to your ranking system. Okay, I'm going to throw this one out there. This one's not my official pick because I feel like it's kind of a cop-out. I do like Colorado's chances against Florida State. We've seen. Oh, yeah, the way they were playing ball. And we we saw the way they were playing. We see the way the Pac-12 has been playing Florida State. I mean, It adds some legitimacy to it. Florida State didn't look good against UNC Greensboro. We've already established that Florida State is a fraud basketball program this year. I don't even care about my bracket anymore. I mean, I'm just going for upsets. I like LSU's chances. They've been playing good lately. If they can play defense, they can score with Michigan. At this point, I just want Oral Roberts to win the whole thing. Hey, I mean, I'm here for it. A 15 seed, if they can make it. Get there, please. I want to see. If you can do Oral Roberts, you can throw some Loyola Chicago in there. Because, I mean, we saw that Chicago, they didn't just beat Illinois. Do you think people would watch that national championship? Oral Roberts, Gonzaga, are people watching it? I'm watching it. But I don't know. if I don't know. I think... I would like to say that, yes, people would watch it, but I'm always proved wrong because people would rather watch a Duke, Kentucky or, you know, a North Carolina. I wouldn't. I want to see Oral Roberts, Gonzaga. Not every year I wouldn't want to see that. I mean, I would love to. I do think that basketball and football and and baseball and any sport is at its best when all of the top brands are playing at their best. It is good. Plenty of simple. College football is better when Texas, Miami, USC, Alabama – Auburn, Michigan, Ohio State, all these teams that have, you know, historically top 10, top 15 teams of wins when they're all good at the same time. That's when football's at its best. Same thing for basketball. It's good when all the blue bloods are out. Guess what? All the blue bloods were missing in action this year and it's basketball is pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where I think I would love to watch it, but I don't know if other people would. 
it'd be interesting to see. That's one reason I want to. That's one reason I want it to happen because TV I networks want, would have to get creative. I want to see the ratings that it brings in. But I, I mean, there's a lot of upsets I like tonight. I could see Maryland beating Alabama. I'm not gonna. Stri- I'm not gonna say that they will, but it's a possibility. I had UConn beating Alabama in my bracket, and USC's the lower seed, but they're actually the Vegas favorite. So I feel weird saying that I like USC a lot because again, I picked USC to win that game over Kansas in my own. Ohio I don't know how good this Creighton team really is Ohio Creighton at their best when they're knocking down shots is a good basketball team when, but when, when they're not they're very you know, close be- ball game with UC very, Santa Barbara very beatable I mean they, yeah they're very beatable by Ohio again LSU I think if they can play defense on Michigan which we've seen it's been spotty at times they can upset the Wolverines I am less I, I am less confident in that LSU Michigan game than everybody else that I talked to about that game you I'm, Jeremy felt pretty good about it I, I'm not sold this Michigan team's good but now that i've said that just watch it come to fruition i just think that i'm i'm pulling back a little bit on the big 10 because i've seen how the big 10 has been performing and i a lot of what i said about michigan was the competition they they've played and how good they played against some of this competition some of their wins they have and then you see michigan state's out outed who had beaten all the number ones illinois they got bounced by loyola chicago ohio state got bounced by oral roberts rutgers they're out now wisconsin they're out now so you see all these big 10 teams that have been getting bounced, and a lot Iowa got embarrassed this morning by Oregon, ran straight out of the gym. So, is this Michigan team really that good, or did we just assume that the Big Ten was this good conference and they had all these good teams beating up on each other? But maybe a team like a team from the Pac-12 is a little bit better. So, we're talking about how crazy this NCAA tournament has been all day today. I want to remind everybody: three one seeds at this moment that we are speaking. Of course, Michigan and LSU still have to play three one seeds are still alive. still alive still alive the there have only been three occasions in the last 35 years that three one seeds have made the final four all of these upsets happening very well could pave the way easier yeah. for these one seeds to blanket the final four and we could have had this like chaotic first three four rounds of the NCAA tournament but at the end of the day it could be all chalk when you get to the final four I feel like that might happen I could see that happening just because and we would be deprived <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't be deprived of good basketball. We'd be deprived sure. of some upsets. I mean, actually, that may be the best, uh, the best scenario, right? You end up with the best teams in the Final Four, with the exception of Illinois being out. But you know, say say Illinois uh, Loyola Chicago makes it. Say oh, Loyola still, Chicago makes a the Final team. Four. Yeah, say Loyola Chicago. They they deserve higher than an eight seed. Oh, and I, that's not hundred percent. That, that was, is not we had that gri- twenty twenty. No, we had that gripe. Me and you were big on that going in. We said this like, team we is know that's a better team. We've been looking at Ken Palm all year. We know how highly they've been rated. We know how efficient they've been on defense. And, and offense. An eight seed was a slap in the face of them. It was disrespectful. And but they, you're not going to get them high, and, and you typically don't see teams like that nope. as an eight seed. So that was almost a compliment to them that they were an eight. But like the NCAA selection committee is, show, is so short-sighted to these smaller ball teams that they are not going to be able to climb seed lines when you're talking about scrubbing them because they just don't play the same caliber of teams. Well, guess what? They got their matchup. Within, the only reason why they got an eight seed was because of the fact that they went to the final four several years ago you but, know so yeah and they've been playing well this year but it, they kind of coattailed to the eight seed based off the fact that they have tournament success right. within the past few years Poor but this seems better than that final four team a couple of years ago will they make it that far i don't, I don't know, know but just because you're better doesn't mean that you're going to make yeah. it farther poor illinois though i mean they had to play that as an eight seed i mean that that's that's, that's not fair to illinois it's either. not it wasn't fair to illinois no. either i mean just rank these teams like you think man and it you saw what happened you saw what yeah. happened when you get a team that was under number one goes down 
That does it for another edition of On the Line. Following us, we got The Drive with Bill Cameron coming up in about four minutes here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. I'll be back tomorrow with you guys, and uh, we will have that show for you once again. You know where to find us. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody.